Welcome to the High Volume Hiring Podcast. I'm Stephen Rothberg, the founder of job search site College Recruiter. We believe that every student and recent grad deserves a great career. This podcast features news, tips, case studies, and interviews with the world's leading experts about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to high volume hiring. Thanks for joining us. Today's guest is Bill Borman, a recovering recruiter with 40 years of experience in the industry who is now a strategic consultant to a number of talent acquisition technology companies and the founder of the True Unconferences. Bill, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Stephen. Good to be here. Yeah, good to see you again. Um, so question for you. Um, one of the things that that I love about watching your travels, your journeys, et cetera, is that you've had the opportunity to travel the world, uh, meet with employers all over the place, uh, look at technology solutions in different areas of the world. What are some of the key similarities and differences between how employers hire at scale in different parts of the world? Well, I think... The main difference is usually in attraction because the way in which we hire is essentially the same. We, the cornerstones are the same. We have a good understanding of a job requirement and exactly what that needs. And usually when you're talking about volume, um, it's less around the specific skill base um, and, and more around kind of the, the history and, and th- things like reliability and, and fit and so on. But generally speaking, hiring is very similar globally. We have different problems. They just manifest in a different way locally. So the big issue at the moment is is attraction and the way in which you might attract in uh, San Francisco might need to be quite different to the way in which you might do that in New Zealand or in um, Lagos, Nigeria, for example. So... It's very local, but essentially you still boil it down to the same things, which is how do you reach your targets, your target audience in a timely manner? And that's done in all kinds of different ways. I've seen all kinds of different things from billboards to it's still in some parts of the world, newspaper ads to um, job board at very specific, sophisticated people targeting and sourcing. Essentially, it's the same thing, which is how do we reach enough of the people we need and entice enough of them to actually put their hand up and say, yeah, I'm interested. Sometimes they do that digitally. Sometimes they do that on the phone. Sometimes they turn up somewhere and get in a queue, you know, for, for some of the, the, yeah. stuff I've, the, the stuff that I've run. But essentially, it's the same thing. So I don't think it's a lot different. Um it's just a lot local. When you go local, even even if you go across the state and you go from state to state, you can find that what works in that market is very local. So it's this kind of local, overriding understanding of, of of good recruitment and good hiring and what works, good messaging, and then really being able to, to dig in locally and say, right, okay, what works here? And understand that, what works in this city may not work in another city. So a big employer like like an Amazon that's going to have warehouses all over the world in Leeds, they're going to recruit very different differently than in Phoenix, Arizona. Absolutely. They might run a job fair. You know, it might be enough to have a job fair on a day, put it up and say, yeah, we're hiring everybody turn up. There's all kinds of 
um, data behind that that we start to look at, like the demographics, the level of unemployment, the age of the workforce, what's going to appeal to them in that particular area, the way in which you reach them is going to be very different. I tell you, you know, I'm, I'm quite an old man like you, Stephen, so I can remember this time. We're not old, yeah. we're 29. Still. Yeah, you know, before the internet, <laughs> before the internet, we used to choose local radio stations. And you'd make, you know, your, your cable radio, you'd make a decision, say, if I want to reach a volume of people in this area, I'm going to turn up at this place and hire on this day. And the way to do that is to go in the local, on the local radio. And you'd, you might make a decision, say, actually, it's a national campaign. We've got enough places. So we're going to go on a national radio, whatever it is, and, and try and deal with that. But it's exactly the same. Even now, if you were going from Leeds, you'd say, right, how do we reach the people? Is it? You know, some um, some regional places still have local newspapers that people read on the bus when they go home. And you go, this this word that you keep using, new, newspaper, I, I it, it it rings a bell. It, it, not so many years ago, probably five <laughs> six years ago, people used to read local newspaper on the train or the bus commuting to work. Right. So if you that's where your audience was, you know, I, and I've used data to hire some really sophisticated developers in Dublin. Um, where we targeted bus stops outside particular Starbucks that we knew that they went to, but advertising on the bus stop. And, and it's, it's the same principle all the time. It's where's your audience? How do you reach them? What message will resonate with them? What will make them apply in whichever way they apply, whether that's hitting a button, sending you a resume, turning up to an, an open day, whatever it is, what's going to make people turn up in enough volume and be the right type of people the right kind of quality to get to the the number of hires that you need in in the best time yeah i love i love the idea of the bus stop ads and billboards like right outside right outside your competitor's place of employment you know yes. especially if they're going through some hard times or their ceos have been, been involved in some scandal or something like that i you have throw been up a billboard. i will tell you just a small side story yeah. but i have been involved yeah. in there was um, a, 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 it wasn't my idea originally. It was Atlassian from Australia, but I stole mm. the idea later for a different campaign somewhere else. And they actually had a billboard on the back of a lorry, on the back of a truck, which they drove outside employers. And, and it was Atlassian, and they had pictures of Australia, and they were driving it to up where developers were in undesirable towns. And they and the and the billboard literally said, "We're coming to steal your developers." Wow. <laughs> and it was massively successful. And I re I've repeated that a few times. I've also repeated it with street artists in Berlin, where I got them to go and um, actually draw the street outside of an employer where we knew there was a lot of layoffs from some large tech startups. So same principle. Where's the people? How do you get their attention? Yeah. And and the, the layoffs is definitely something that I don't hear that much about that anymore. Maybe there just aren't the mass layoffs anymore. But you definitely used to hear about you know, a manufacturing facility was shutting down and another manufacturing facility or or warehouse or whatever um, would start distributing flyers on cars in the parking lots and then um, ads inside the buses and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's the thing. At the moment, labor's so short that we'll go anywhere that we yeah. think will work. You want truck drivers advertising the truck stop. You know, that's there's just a, a normal logic that follows. Yeah, as as 
as efficient and effective as job boards can be, it's only one sourcing tool. There's so many more out there and and so many of them work so much better in, in different different industries, different occupational fields. Yeah, although I, I think job boards are massively, you know, we, we've heard every year about the demise of job boards. We've mourned them, <laughs> mourned them every year and they come back in different forms, stronger and more revenue and greater attribution for source of hire. Um, and I think you always need that central place, that easy way, you know. So if, I, I do quite a lot with schools and colleges and uh, it, there's a reality that when I say to them how do you look for a job they kind of go I look on indeed and then I look for a job right it, it's, it's like a program this is where the jobs are now there's loads of things they'll come to me and tell me about how terrible the experience is and why it's not a lot of fun doing that but there's a reality that if this is where the jobs are that's where people go and and, and I've seen job seeker behavior being very different digitally in the last four or five years that I've talked about a lot, which is that um, generally what we're getting is high volumes of people applying without actually doing the whole thing about employer brand for attraction and stuff is a little bit of a myth. Um, in my opinion, people, depending what level they're at, they apply for every job based on certain criteria. The four criteria um, seems to consistently be salary um as the number one, not necessarily as in how much money I want. Sometimes the money you're paid is an indicator of whether you should bother applying. It's too high or too low. Um, salary, location, location even now, you know, is important. Hybrid working is really hybrid. We see very little genuinely remote. You still want people within a commutable distance. That commutable distance has just gone a bit further because you don't have to rock up every day in the office um but it's still got a geographical where we'd like them to leave this kind of rough area because they are going to have to be here some of the time um so location uh the job title is important to people primarily on the indicator of is it worth the pain of applying we built game of thrones recruiting so the person who gets the job is the one alive at the end of the process not the best qualified <laughs> so i think kind of people looking at a job ad and that could be our college recruit or anywhere feel the process is going to be painful so they're not going to invest a lot of effort they, they're thinking they're almost definitely going to hear back and they're probably right. They probably aren't going to hear back. It's only like one or two percent of people who apply who actually do heal back. So they don't invest a lot of time in deciding where to go, right? So job boards are the perfect destination for saying, go and have a look. You'll probably find seven, eight, nine, ten employers looking for something similar. Apply for those ten. They actually become really engaged and look at the, the employer brand content once they get some kind of positive reaction. So once you apply for something recruiter you might not even go to the career you probably won't go to the career site you probably won't go to Glassdoor you probably won't research um the employer in the way that brand heads would try and have us believe and spend our money you need a trigger and that trigger is usually a job ad or something that interrupts you it's well targeted it's on the money it ticks your boxes you apply you don't expect to hear again when you come back and say, well, okay, we do a video interview or we come in or this is the day, then you're all over the employer brand content. And that's when they go and study employer brand in the funnel. So I think the the that's what the volume hiring is, is can we reach enough people 
with enough triggers to say, put their hand up and say, okay, consider me. I'm not expecting to back from you again, but consider me. And if you come back and say, yeah. And in reality, at high volume, usually it's about speed. It's about who gets it. Because usually when we're talking about high volume markets, there's people who have a d dependency to work. They don't have the, you know, the middle class bit of saying, I have some time to consider what my next career move is. It's, I need to be working. So whoever reaches them and makes that process as simple as possible and as less painful as possible and treats them in the right way in that process is the person who's probably going to not have problems hiring. And the people who like that, they're going to have an issue. And, and when you say speed bill, just to, to make sure we're on the same page, you're not just talking about how many minutes does it take to complete the application, but you're no. also talking about, okay, you completed the application on Monday, um, Monday the 1st. Do you hear back on Tuesday the 2nd or do you hear back three weeks later? I mean, I, I keep hearing from employers that are, are hiring a whole ton of hourly people and they're, they're upset that they're getting ghosted. Um, it's like, well, how many days after the person applied? We ghost 98% of our applicants. We deserve to be ghosted back. We shouldn't be upset. Right. Yeah. The shoes, the yeah. shoes now on the other foot, yeah. right? The, you know, but if you ignore, if you ignore an hourly applicant, um, perhaps a high volume for two weeks and then get back to them and you wonder why they don't respond to you, it's because they've been working someplace for the last 10 days. Yeah, they're, they're out of work. So, yeah, speed of getting into, if you can get into the process, some of the stuff I've worked on with nurses and in healthcare, we've built workflows, which have had things like chess, chatbots and basic assessment. So from when you see the ad, you have your first interview. And when you have your first interview, if you're successful, you get your first shift. And that can be done in 24 hours, right? You know, that's done literally in subject to whatever industry is and whatever regulatory checks we have to do. Um, we're getting people to shift within 24 hours. So you see it, you're interested, you apply, you come along, you do your assessment, you come in for the interview. The interview is very specific around you because of what we're looking for. And if you tick the box for that, you have shifts. And, and that's the speed at which you're in this marketplace. Um, and I'd argue any marketplace, that's the speed and frictionless way in which we need to get people to work. You know, I've heard a lot about, and there's lots of data that says it's successful, where people are getting hired without interview. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. Hiring somebody without an interview is, is I think, mind-boggling to many. I question how much value that actually adds or whether we just interview people because we interview people. It's like we always have, so we always, so we always do, but I, I can see it in some roles, especially like an executive role, but man, I mean, if you're, if you're hiring cooks or, 
you know, people in a warehouse, people in a retail store, and they have a they have a demonstrated history of successfully doing that kind of job. Do you do you really need to schedule them and for for one interview, let alone six? A, a friend a friend of one of um, like your kids are adult age, so are mine. A friend of one of my kids was being hired for like a server or hostess position in a restaurant. And it's like, come in and meet with the manager. Great. They were expecting to meet with the manager, get an offer, start the next day. No, we'll get back to you. So three days later, now I want you to meet with this person. Now I want you to meet with that person. And it's just like, you know what? I, I, don't, have, I don't have time for this nonsense. I've got three other offers here. Why, why should I be trying, trying so hard with you? Um, so um, you mentioned um, a few minutes ago the employer branding. And I, and I read... Uh, that you had been involved in a study involving 9 million job applications. So it's not like some skewed little sampling from one employer that hires 200 people a year. Um, Some of the numbers in it were very consistent with what we see at College Recruiter, about 10% past the the initial screening stage. So basically they're probably qualified. Um, I think it was roughly one in 200 um, ended up getting hired, which is pretty typical. Also, we see those numbers. It really depends on the role, really depends on the geographic area. That's not that unusual. Sometimes in 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 some roles, we're seeing five, six, seven, eight percent, but half of one percent isn't way out of the norm either. And what I was interested in 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 that, I think you were kind of alluding to this a few minutes ago, is that what you found is that despite a massive investment by so many employers in building their brand and building their websites and building all this video and trying to communicate that they're the best employer in the world, that candidates don't really give a rip um, at the initial phase. They they don't They don't pay attention to it. It's like, you know, is it the right job title? Does it pay me the right amount? Is it located in the right place? If so, I'm going to well, apply. If, if you get yeah, back yeah. to me and if you're interested in me, now I'll invest some time and find out what it is that you do. Why should I work with you? Is that? Yeah, and I, I don't think that's um, dissimilar to anything. You know, in, in say you, if we consider candidates are selling themselves to some extent you consider in the sales side of your business, you'll get your incoming leads of people going, we're interested, and you'll kind of filter them out between who's a tire kicker, who's just giving us a call, and you'll invest more time in that. You'll qualify them a bit more every time you have an interaction, and you'll invest more time in that prospect, the more likely it becomes, okay, it's worth investing more time, right? And I think that's exactly what candidates are doing. So their first thing is they're really saying, I'm going to apply for this job. I'm probably not going to hear from you again. And the reality says they are actually correct. Right? The numbers say you are correct. No, it's it's it's, it's absolutely rational what what they're doing. Yeah. So why would I spend time investing in that? Um, now, what we discovered is, in terms of all kinds of things like career sites, employer brand, is once the more positive affirmations they got through that process of them saying, okay, can you do a test? Can you come in? Can you meet with someone? Can you do this job? The more people 
would then go into that employment. The more people thought about, well, actually, maybe I am going to end up working here. I do need to go and find out about whether I like the culture or not. I do need to go and have a look at uh, if this is going to be the job. Now I'm going to watch the Day in a Life video. Now it has some relevance because that might be the job I'm doing. I do want to go to LinkedIn and look up who my colleagues might be and see where they sit, right? So um, what I've, I've developed with organisations that I work with is almost a reverse funnel. So you don't need a lot of information for attraction which is where most people spend the money. You need triggers. You need to be able to reach the right people, very targeted, that says, here's some information. Because it's also always about when are people higher ready? Right? That was some interesting work that I did with Adam Gordon on the on the, the product that was sold to iSIMS, Candidate ID, and everything we were building there was all about there's a million people in your database, but actually only a thousand of them are looking for a job at any one time. And all you're really interested in is who are these thousand? Because in the foot race, it's when are you going through that phase every two years, three years, when you might be looking for something, right? So it's exactly that in that we've got to hear people trigger trigger the application at the right time when they're ready, when think, both sides come together. We're hiring, you're looking. Those two events are happening together. Now you're going to consider my opportunity or you're considering moving, whatever it is, whatever level you're at. I, if I get you at the right time in that process, then as you go through that process, from the moment you've applied to, I can start honing in the content and the information I want to offer you based on what it is you're applying for. So I can make it very job specific. I call it job brand over employer brand. And we have a funnel which says we give you more content, access to more resources after you've applied rather than when we're trying to attract you. And most organisations put most of their investment, most of their content, most of their stuff in the apply. You know, and then once you've applied, the money for more stuff has actually run out. Well, actually, that's when you need the nurture. When you Once you're in that, actually, I might go and work there. Or I might... I might go for an interview there. So now I want to find out a bit more. I want to look around a bit more, see if I'm wasting my time with it. No, I'm not. That's really interesting. I am I'm, I'm also believe there's a bit in the candidate piece where um, they're not prepared to emotionally invest in that while they're expecting to be disappointed. They don't want to, if we think of it like a relationship, any relationship really, you know, um, they don't want to invest too much in that relationship get too excited about the opportunity until someone else starts going, yeah, you're kind of interesting. We're going to, we at least want you to do a test. We at least want you to do a video. We want you to come in and meet with us. We've now only got five people meeting with us, you know? So I think the emotional investment bit, as much as the time, time is, I'm not going to waste my time and go through loads. And the one certainty, you know, I got consistently from these candidates is they said, when I pushed apply, I knew it was going to be hard. I knew whatever I was going to be asked to do was going to be inconvenient or hard or time-consuming and sometimes feel pointless. Yes. So I, I need to get more and more committed into that because I think where we end up, where people are applying for multiple jobs, this is what came out of that research, they were applying for about four times as many jobs as they had done historically just to feel like they got the opportunity. I think it's still the same case now. There's just less people in the market. Once they hit that, they'll start 
selecting out employers you know five people come back and say yeah i'm interested you go well really i want to cut it down to three because i've only got time to go and see three or the first one that asked me to when we're talking about the minimum wage no low, low, low skills market first one that says yeah come in and see me and i go and see them unless i have a real horror story if they say to me can you start tomorrow that's my job search done right We've right and then you're off the market i'm off the yeah. market you know and then I'll decide whether I like it or not. Once I've been right. there a little while, I'll decide whether I like it or not. I'm not going to believe recruiters telling me it's great place to work, right? Because it's kind of like it's like real estate agents going, "Yeah, the, the crime might be quite high, but the security's okay." It's kind of that kind of thing. <laughs> That's what people feel about recruiters that we're always going to be positively spinning the opportunity so it's like no i just want to go and meet the people who do the job i want to go and speak to them i want access to their stuff as quickly as possible and then then i'll start my first shift and while i'm having my first shift i'll go in the smoke room or the coffee room and i'll have a chat and go what's it really like here is it cool here is it okay and then i'll start deciding that and that's why you know the content and the employer brand the intention needs to go all the way through the the hiring process but equally all the way through the onboarding process of saying right we're just going to give you more stuff that tells you you've made the right choice and that's what i believe we need to build that funnel reversed out we just need a little bit of information on the attraction bit and then let them push the button yeah no super fascinating and i, and I think it'll be this will be a, a lot of help to a lot of employers who who have understood that their employer brand is important but they um still probably are putting it it's important. It's just, but, but what's, but we've been the conventional wisdom that I think you're helping to dispel is that it, it comes at the, at the beginning of the process and it, and it, and it, it comes, it comes further into the process than I think most uh, would realize. So yeah, you also want it very specific on job, right? You want it very, the, the, it, I don't want employee brand. I want job brand. I want to know about I don't want to necessarily want to know too much about college recruiter, but I do want to know about this job in college recruiter. Who are these people? Who's this team? If I get this on my resume, how is this going to help me get another job somewhere else? Oh yeah, yeah. In two years or three years, right? That's what I want to see. Yeah, even in a small organization like ours, the the the, the tech team has a different culture than the operations team, which has a different culture than the sales. And we're working with different people. The work the type of work you're doing is different. And and like you say, where does it get me two years from now, five years from now? That's going to be Even if they stay with you for 10 years. Like that's that's how they're selecting you. Um, but ultimately, if you offer them enough opportunities, you've got your internal mobility right, um, you all get on well. They may stay, you know, they may stay. But especially when you're looking in tech, people are looking on jobs as, what's the problem you need me to fix? What, what do you need me to come and do that's going to be interesting? It's going to educate me. It's going to make me look more employable. And actually, when I've done it in 18 months, I'm going to be looking around again and going, well, where do I go and fix something else? Right. And maybe that's internal. Um, there's another problem that you have for them. If so, awesome. And But yeah, people don't want to jump to top from employer to employer. If they can stay at the same employer and keep doing interesting work and getting paid well why why wouldn't they so for people who want to um learn more or contact you um how should they do so linkedin facebook facebook's the primary one but linkedin facebook um twitter i'm at bill borman i'm i'm very easy to find online or just google me and reach me um 
my emails are online. You have big footprints or, online. Or just shout somewhere in a public place. Shout on Facebook and say, does anyone know how to go to Bill Wall and they'll find me. Yes. I'm, very, I'm very, very easy to find. Very easy to find. Um, but anywhere social. Well, cool. Thank you um, so much for joining us today on the High Volume Hiring Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Rothberg of Job Search Site College Recruiter. Each year, we help more than 7 million candidates find great new jobs. Our customers are primarily Fortune 1000 companies, government agencies, and other employers who hire at scale and advertise their jobs with us. You can reach me at stephen at collegerecruiter.com. Cheers. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.